clearly injured. You said she was a doctor, right? And a good one. But I haven't spoken with her for over 20 years. And neither has any other member of the old crew. She just cut us off. So why contact me now? Well, you were close once. And when you were on the Enterprise, you trusted each other with your lives. You even tried to be lovers, didn't you? <laughs> tried is the operative word. But maybe you're the one person she still feels she can trust. Dodge Garnigan with me, spread across the Star Trek universe to be brought together in two episodes of Setup are Adam Bowen, Bill Woywad, Emily Bowen Marlar. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of Picard Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation. Follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about the podcast and make sure to... Uh, Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's how people can find us better. Spoiler alert. We're going to be spoiling this uh, episode 301 of Picard and may also discuss uh, any other preceding content in the Star Trek universe. No, 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 Bill. I've I've, I've got a change for us this week, which is (laughs) I want you guys to talk about this episode without referencing that (laughs) previous show that these people were on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> a lot of people are going to go watch that show after this. So. <laughs> we don't want to spoil anything for him. So, guys, this is Captain Dan Picard, apparently, and he's like got a history uh, of some sort. Spoiler. <laughs> like he was made right, he's an admiral. by the board. Shit. Wait, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Crap. I, you know, you joke, but I wonder how much, like, if it would work for a new viewer. And I watched this with my wife, who knows nothing about Star Trek. And I explained it to her. I was like, oh, no, these old guys used to be on a show in the 90s together. And she was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, well, we'll get into how we, how we feel about the, the nostalgia ride that we're all on. Um, I have I have a feeling this group might appreciate might have appreciated that aspect of this, uh, in comparison to maybe some newer viewers. But anyway, as as Emily mentioned, today we're going to talk about the Picard episode "Next Generation." See what I did there, Adam? Reference to our yep. last episode, yep. callbacks. <laughs> this show has so many callbacks. I do callbacks in the podcast. Things are I super meta. I did roll my eyes during last week's episode. <laughs> Thank you. It happened. <laughs> it, it seems to be the episodes where it's just you and Adam. So. I, I, yes, yes, I don't know I why. Don't. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Well, we won't talk about interchangeable junk again. It's exactly when I rolled my eyes. So we'll talk about The Next Generation, Picard, episode one of season three. It first aired on 16th February, 2023. It was a two-day belated Valentine's to the Star Trek fans out there. It was written by Terry Metalis of Metalis Prime and it was directed by Doug Arniokoski. I gotta learn to say that again. I, used to, I got pretty good at it last season and then I've lost 
lost that ability again. It's in universe. It is 2411. And my first question right before we get to Stranger Dakes is how many years after the last episode of TNG is this? Like, well, I know it's universe. nine years after the last episode of uh, season okay. two of uh, this yeah. show. I didn't realize really? it was that many yeah. years after. Yeah, it was 2402 uh, in the previous show, and I think it was oh. 2399 in the first season. So does that mean that, like, they does that mean seven of nine? Like, I, I'm just curious about when they said, because she talked about, you know, you and Janeway thought I would do well in Starfleet. So now I'm wondering mm -hmm. how much, not that they had her go to the Academy, because, I mean, she would have had... But I'm wondering, like, if they had her go through paces like that since there I are mean, so she, many years. She might have had to go to the Academy. I'm, I'm trying to because I, I feel like we've told uh, like other characters have been told, like, you can't just like be in Starfleet as a like as an officer, except by going through the Academy. Like, right. uh, unless you've gone we, to the like, Academy, just, like, like, like she's not chief uh, seven of nine or whatever. Right. She's a commander. So yeah. hmm. mm. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that just got me thinking. I did. I totally I figured there was a time gap. Yeah. But I didn't realize how big the time gap was. I, I mean, I think that's how that's how uh, uh, Beverly had a 34-year-old son in 20 I was going to ask, how old did you think he was? Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I looked it up. I think he's 34. <laughs> so, so, so all good things occurs in, um, I think it's, it's 2370. So this okay. is 41 years. Yes, yeah, because I thought Voyager was seventy-one or so, somewhere around there yeah. is when Voyager was. Yeah. So let's let's anchor ourselves that it's okay. been forty-one years since the last episode of TNG. It's been twenty years since Beverly saw the rest of the TNG people, uh, and yeah, this will get relevant. The reason I wanted to like establish this will get a little bit more relevant when we're yeah. talking about notes. But before we get to our notes and our in-depth discussion, we always start with our strange new takes. Which of you have a strange new take to share with us this week? Well, you're uh, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, mine is going to be uh, really brief. Grapefruit is by far the best citrus. Potentially the best fruit, period. <clears throat> uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I know that was a spicy one. Um, <laughs> geez, okay. Yeah. All right. Not sure I can recover from that. We might have to end this episode early. <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I can't. I can't put a grapefruit on my tacos and make them taste better, unless I can. I've never tried it. I think you could. I think you could. Mm. Um, so anyway, for this uh, episode, I I just loved watching Frakes more than Stewart. Actually, I thought Jonathan Frakes just uh, carried the day. Oh yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> I was just wondering. So the, the reason I had the long pensive pause there was, should I actually have a strange new take of my own or should I go off of this hot take that Bill is throwing? I'm going to go off it. And you know what? Then I was like, but I don't want to get so aggressive early in this podcast. So then I was like, actually, let me tell a tangential story related to grapefruit, which might illustrate the point I would have otherwise made, which is in India, uh, this might have just been a byproduct of my upbringing, but we didn't really differentiate a lot on different citruses in terms of like the close variation. So I didn't know lemons and limes were fundamentally different things until I got to the United States. I knew oranges and lemons were different, but I don't even think I had a fundamental appreciation that they were all from the same family of fruit, okay, at the age of 17 or whatever it was. So when I got to this country and I saw a large fruit that looked kind of citrusy on the inside, 
and had like this inviting red color, I was like, oh, amazing. This thing's going to be like an orange. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be beautiful. Then I took a big bite. It was bitter and awful, and I hated it. And I have since that day. <laughs> um, so it's the, the, the nectar of the gods that comes out of Wisconsin, much like Bill, LaCroix has convinced me that grapefruit does have some redeeming qualities. But uh, we'll continue to explore this as maybe in a few, you know, I need to get together with Bill and some grapefruits on a farm. And we need to really think about uh, this question of, of citrus enjoyment in some more detail. Anyway, with this episode, I'll keep my strange new take a little bit more esoteric, which is, I don't know what it is about the first contact theme. It's just in one movie. It's not even like the sh TNG show or whatever, but it just always is the most evocative piece of Star Trek music for me. It makes me tear up just a little bit every time I hear it. Even just those opening bars, it just yeah. gets me. It's so I, good. I don't know what it is about that piece of music. Yeah, and, and like weirdly, that's going to make it so that like, because, uh, 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 wait, why? I've forgotten. Uh, Prod Star Trek Prodigy, I watch every single title sequence all the way through and for some reason in picard season three i'm going to watch the end of every or the end credits every <laughs> all the way through every single time do you uh, think it could be yeah. they did it that way just for this episode and they might do it because you that's remember fair. i don't know if they yeah. will but they did that with prodigy the first they episode did. of prodigy maybe that's a new thing end. in star trek is that we we show you the the opening credits at the very end mm. of the first episode and then we kind of so those do are that. the opening credits uh, i don't know i'm just yeah I'm just i mean it was point. it was it was a very heavy amount of production value for the nine credits so i like that too let's let's check on it next week huh yeah uh so let's see for it for real life uh i'm not going to follow uh on on the the fruit uh discussion that we've been having having uh uh so i have a one of my uh one of my now eight chickens uh <laughs> spinelli uh has been aware that i have treats for about a month but has not uh felt comfortable actually coming over to eat the treats and then uh uh instead has just watched uh beverly and dragonette have them and this week she discovered that she can also eat the treats and so now every single time you. i come outside of the house she is uh like looking looking me straight in the eyes like expecting <laughs> me to hand her treats uh, at any at any time of day no matter what. So, so you do, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad that I that I don't do it seven or eight times a day. But uh, yeah, that's sort of the expectation now. Uh, for for the episode, though. I mean, this is basically. What if the undiscovered country, but the next generation and I'm here for it. So, uh, yeah, I. I'm sure that we're going to ruin it somehow. Like the, it's the main plot is going to center around like love or, or something like that, that destroys <laughs> everything. But oh like, my gosh. Uh, so like I, if they literally just followed the plot of the undiscovered country, but just with these characters and St Star Trek first contact music, I think I would be good for the rest of the season. Let's see. I didn't really have a strange new take, so I'm just going to go off on the grapefruit thing and say, I really like pomelos. That's, you don't need to add any sugar to them. So I can just, they are a bear to get into. So it's kind of satisfying mm, though. Yeah. Like once you get all of the fruit out that you can eat, it's like, oh, I have this huge bowl of fruit now that I can enjoy. 
So I really like those, but I don't see them very often out here in Missouri. So every once in a while, mm. I can find them for the show. Um, so, you know, I have, for the most part, enjoyed Picard. I mean, I have my quibbles, whatever. But the thing, the thing I don't enjoy about Picard so much is um, that it has totally robbed me of a hopeful future that Star Trek painted, right? So, like, Starfleet doesn't have... Starfleet's not anything good. Um, the Federation mm. is corrupt. You know, everything sucks, and they're all just like us now, and there's no reason to go on living. So, um, or striving for anything in the future. <laughs> I, no, obviously, I don't really. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's a quibble I've had with Picard. Doesn't mean I hate it, but I just, I don't like that aspect of it. Um, they're probably going to do the same thing in this season, too, but at least I'll get to see the characters I know and love <laughs> while they do it. I don't know. So we'll see. But um, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do, because, I mean, obviously you have the whole don't trust Starfleet or like don't let Starfleet know about this. So what is that about? There's a lot of mystery going on um, and I am interested in it. So I'm intrigued by what is being laid out for us here. W will there be a sunglasses wearing Romulan at the center of it all? <laughs> So, so let me let me engage on this topic for just a moment before we go in, because I think it's an important one, and I think it's a, it's something that a lot of Star Trek fans struggle with in terms of, because I mean this is a reaction to Battlestar Galactica, right? Like Battlestar Galactica coming out right after nine eleven, mm -hmm. basically created this grittier world, and and television in general has gone from kind of their Knight Rider esque cars that talk to you and solve crime to uh, the Wire and, you know, showing us what drug dealers do and having anti-heroes, right? Like, it, it's it's taken this kind of grittier shift, and that's, that's, I think, what has come into the Star Trek universe. But I wonder if there's a way to position those two realities, the ones in the 90s and this one, to bring them together, um, which is, and, and this is what I want to test with you all, Maybe it's it's the ebbs and flows of humanity, right? Like humanity has cycles where, you know, the Roman Empire comes out of Etruscan villages. They create civilization. They have all of this, like, wonderful stuff. But then they fall, right? And we go into the Dark Ages and then we go into the Industrial Revolution, which is troublesome. But then we perfect, perfect, perfect. We get to the Star Trek future, which is wonderful. But then because of whatever, and I don't, I can't, I'm not smart enough to make the philosophical connections here, but like there's another ebb period where we go into this dark place but then there is the potential to show us something that we didn't see in the original star trek which is how did humanity pull itself back up into a utopia so maybe there's a way that this stuff that they're showing us this grittier stuff right now can lead to giving us something that then addresses what you're looking for emily which is how do, yeah. how do we bring ourselves from there to this more hopeful time <clears throat> And then we can kill 95% of them in the burn. <laughs> I, so I just have to chime in. I mean, definitely the, the newer series have a, um, a grittier tone. And even just in terms of like the cinematography and the lighting and everything. Mm -hmm. But if even in 90s Star Trek, every time they interacted with Starfleet, Starfleet was bad. Or yeah, 95%, right? The yeah. admirals were all bad. The other captains, like Jellicoe, I mean, they were either like bad, like Jellicoe, or they were wimps. Um, mm -hmm. The only good one that I can think of is the admiral that Cisco was with during Ross. the Dominion War. Admiral but in Ross. general, they were all, you know, Starfleet, because you know, because they, they have to uh, create conflict and dramatic right. tension. 
I, I feel like actually the, the show that might have done that the least is like maybe Enterprise, which like feels weird to in because in the Vulcans to say. were the um, yeah. conflict, so they didn't need to do that with the admirals in the same way. Yeah, or or yeah. even like the I, it felt like a lot of the um when when other captains would come up, it was more of like a rivalry type thing uh, that would happen, or uh, yeah, rather than. Uh, I mean, yeah, because Voyager certainly did it too. Where uh, we uh, it, it inject aliens into our warp core in order to get us home. <laughs> I think what it is about this is that so now you know I was thinking uh, Discovery actually had an admiral that wasn't mm-hmm. um, yeah a admiral right. So I so I know it's not all, but it's just that it seems like so much of the plot of the new Star Trek shows really a driving force has been this dark side of Starfleet mm-hmm. in some way, whether it's a, whether it's like the catalyst for um, what, how the show jumps off or whether it's kind of a through line, you know? So, um, and I just, and I don't, and it, and maybe, and I, you know, I wonder if before I, if, if I was watching this, you know, say 25 years ago, before I knew about all of the horrific injustices in the world and all of the really dark sides of humanity and the failings of capitalism and, and just the ways that people have been so um, commodified and, and how gross that is and, and the damage that that's done. And anyway, I could go on, you know, and I just, I, I just learn about lots of things and terrible treatment of people who don't have access to resources and all these things that are just awful, awful. And so I just am aware of that so much now in my life that I just don't want Star Trek to be <laughs> another thing that's like mm-hmm. this, you know, yeah. heavy thing. So, and I, and so it could just be that I'm, you know, I'm just at this point in my life where I just feel too aware of the of the dark side of humanity and the injustices happening in the world, and I just need to have my Star Trek be my escape. Um, and, you yeah. know, I think I think that's totally fair, right? Like, and I think I think this is the thing that I hope that they give us with this kind of diaspora of shows, right? Where mm-hmm. we do get one show that's like that, and one show that's like this, and one show that you know. I yeah. think there can be some some diversification of tone i think and this is where i think discovery took the ball they launched it in the air and then shot it with a machine gun instead of catching it because because they were they had this opportunity to to give us some cool post burn like hope of like rebuilding civilization and instead we got butterfly people chasing after burnham and book so uh, you know anyway I, I i rag on discovery too much i really shouldn't go back there because uh, it opens the door to something else, and then we don't actually talk about the episode that we came here to talk about. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's let's get back to that before before I go off yet again. So, Picard, season three, episode one, the next generation. The first thing I noticed about this, <laughs> in fact, because it was the first thing on the screen, was in the twenty fifth century. Dot 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 which is exactly the opening of Star Trek Wrath of Khan with the century change. It opens in the 23rd mm-hmm. century, dot, dot, dot. So this is not just, I think, an homage to the next generation. It's also an homage to some of the cinematic installments. You know, mm-hmm. we have the, the Starbase scene. Come on. I mean, like... Oh, yeah. There's a lot going... You know, the cost, new Constitution class. Like, there is some TNG. The card uh, wearing TO- glasses. Yeah, there's some TOS yeah, yeah, stuff happening here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Quite a bit. And... 
And that resonates with the fact that the presentation of this seems to be very fully cinematic. This whole episode, mm-hmm. I thought, felt a lot more like it was filmed in the style of a movie. Again, I'm not mm-hmm. smart enough as a cinematographer or uh, a student of direction to like tell you what those elements were. But it felt more like a movie than a TV show, even more than the last couple of seasons of Picard, which have leaned more in that direction than some mm-hmm. other Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see if this was something that you all also felt or if, if uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, in terms of the especially like the ship shots and whatnot, I, I think they also understood that like, uh, I mean, the, all of those movies are great, but like some of the most memorable moments are honestly like just like getting to see the ship and just like letting us like pan around and have have those sort of like hero shots of whatever the um, uh, mm-hmm. the Enterprise is, or in this case, the Titan A. And uh, I mean, yeah, the the, the uh, I also don't know exactly what what it is that they do uh, to make things like look more cinematic. But clearly, uh, the people in Star Trek, like they proved in Lower Decks that they're capable of like turning on the movie look uh, kind of arbitrarily when they want to. And so that, yeah, they're leaning into it fully now. Yeah, yeah it definitely looked, looked great. Feel. Made me mm-hmm. want to buy a bigger TV. Um, and really felt like a, like a TOS era movie, which is obviously what mm-hmm. Terry Metalis is going for, and it did it very well, I think. We started to watch it in our bedroom, and I was like, "We can't do this. Look how small that ship is. We cannot watch this on this television. We have to go into the big into the living room with the big TVs." Yeah, maybe I'll finally get a, a 4K TV just to just to look at this. Watch, yeah. Well, and and I mean, I think also the music in this episode i mean some of it is literally the music movie music all right but but there was a lot of stuff that just also i meant to look this up and i didn't have a chance to before we started recording but like the music when picard and Riker are leaving the bar sounds like tos movie music Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like callbacks basically to to the cinematic history of star trek Mm -hmm. in this in this episode which um i'm glad i wasn't the only one who picked up on that and we also open with this uh, i don't know if i call it a cold open necessarily but we're jumping into the middle of the plot right like we're we're, we're starting with beverly in her ship mm-hmm. and we see a box that says jack crusher on it mm-hmm. yeah there are is- lots of things that there are lots of little tng callbacks in that whole first scene as they were going through the orchids yeah um yeah, where she, I was trying to think where where the, the, those are the orchids that she was wearing that gigantic ridiculous bow uh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we which one was that the right one where they redo the thing over and over again what was it not time and again oh, that's a great episode yeah yeah uh, i can't remember which one yeah we, we watched it yeah, yeah 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 and and she's also listening to picard's old logs yeah yeah from tng mm-hmm. yeah uh i'm getting like uh she's not over him vibes and uh <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. had a love triangle going on here. Yeah, which uh, honestly, all the next scene is with Laris, and I, I really like Laris. I want I Laris and Picard to be happy. They've been t- together for nine years now. Right. Don't don't let Beverly Homewrecker Crusher come into the picture. <laughs> See, I need to watch this episode again now that I know there's been nine years uh, passing through. So Beverly is in some sort of reminiscent, nostalgic place. Mm-hmm. either because of something she's doing or something she's thinking about and then we have her have a uh a pump action phaser battle <laughs> freaking love it pump action phaser rifle amazing oh by the way 
don't tell the people on Reddit that you like the pump action phaser rifle if you did, because they are big mad about why there's a rifle that tells this pump action or that speaks out loud that it's out of ammo. So, <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just I, I should probably post this on Reddit. But the whole idea of a phaser, a phaser is a terrible weapon. Like it tells your opponent exactly where you are because there's a big bright light pointing to you. And like it's tactically like the worst weapon you could devise. <clears throat> you take that back. <laughs> I really it want that nerf. Have you all seen the nerf rifle that is going to be coming out next year? Oh yeah, I have seen it. Uh, it's like, like a hundred bucks, so I don't it, know. It's, it's, it's get, like the Picard, uh, cool. the first contact rifle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. and then there's a little yeah. phaser that comes with it too. Nice. So. nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we we have Beverly Crusher who is able to uh, decimate the the enemies, literally like departicularize them. And I'm actually curious. So so they. Uh, I was glad that they revisited that at the end of this episode, that there was, like, some special ash pattern or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just, like, showing someone get departicularized for the sake of it. And then we we have these mysterious masked baddies and this mysterious person thumping on the door and talking in English. Do you all have any theories going in who the, what was happening and who these people were or who that other person was that Beverly was ignoring? Well, the other person had to have been her son, right? I mean, like, yeah. Like we find yeah. this out later, right, but right, I was just no, like, well, but like I didn't, I didn't think at the like when it first happened, I did not think that she was doing that to protect the person who was in that other room. But you know, go yeah, looking back they, now, I like feel it was, like yeah, it was a it, protection. It, and I think that was their, that was their intention. Is like they wanted us to think that was uh, some bad person that she was like keeping locked away or something like that. So that we could be scared for uh, for Riker for like a little bit. Well, and I was trying to think if we had ever heard that, you know, the kind of um, speech or whatever that the ways they were communicating with each other. I was trying to remember if we had ever heard sounds like that before. Um, it was a very Star Wars alien introduction. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we were looking at aliens speaking some weird or... things. Yeah, and they they looked very Mass Effect. Uh, uh, they were Garrus's cousins or something like that that came <laughs> onto onto her ship. Yeah. So so two things here. Um, one is like in the end credits, for example, there's clearly lots of kind of biotechnology DNA theme running mm -hmm. through it. And so um, you know when it said like l later on, I'm cutting ahead. When it said that these bad guys, their faces keep changing or whatever, I, you know, it's probably some biotechnology thing, maybe linked to the Daystrom stuff. I don't know. We'll, we'll find mm. out. Um, and then second thing, this is my little small theory. Uh, again, cutting ahead later in the episode, um, Picard speculates that there were two or maybe three bad guys that Beverly shot. She shot two. I wonder if there's one hiding out and he's going to pop out next episode and scare us. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> Jump scare. But the, yeah. the good thing is that he's completely incapable of actually shooting anyone, right. even with like, a machine gun <laughs> <laughs> that is just right. standing in the middle of the room. Although she did like get a shot a couple times, yeah. right? I think yeah. she did. She got shot once. I think she was shot twice what? because oh, she had okay. a spot up here, but oh, then she was good bleeding yeah, from she does her abdomen. A, yeah, yeah, so they, right. they tagged her and she, I mean, she has to go in the bio bed, but she lives but when she shoots them, they just vaporize. They need to get those vaporizing guns. Right. You know, they... action. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's the aggressor here and uh, they're just trying to, to uh, 
make sure that she doesn't come and like kill them all again. Plot twist: Beverly is the big bad. <laughs> well, what are the what are the uh, things that she says? She called like so. Then when she calls, I don't know if we want to jump to when she. Makes I, her I have a few points okay. to make before. Okay. So our next scene, we have Picard and Lara stalking, and here's here's uh, where my previous research comes in handy. Laris said, says when they're looking at the Enterprise D, your first love is always the sweetest. Mm. And she's mm-hmm. talking about the ship, but then we hear her talking about Beverly as Picard's fling before. And then yeah. there's also a scene from season one of TNG where Picard says that he left a woman waiting for him at a cafe. And then Laris tells Picard to wait for that she'd wait for him at a bar on uh, whatever that planet is that they were planning to go to. Mm-hmm. Chaltok Four. So yeah, yeah. The, the whole thing Poor with the painting Laris. is it's very yeah. symbolic, and, and it, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that they're just doing like actual, I don't know, symbolism, and at least going one layer deeper you know i mean th- this is kind of as good as it gets for star trek right wrath has a lot of this in it and it, you know star trek is never going to be like kurosawa or citizen kane or whatever but um you know i thought that was pretty rich and there were a lot of different ways you could interpret it at first i thought oh like Laris is talking about herself right she's you know oh, yeah. she's she's telling him like you can leave it's go it's you know it's okay but then She's like, no, don't you dare box it up. You know, she's she's also like, don't, you know, don't throw yeah. me in the, you know, in the museum. Um, but then I thought maybe she's just talking about, or, or maybe the metaphor is just for the good old days. And for, you know, she's like, don't, don't throw away your sense of adventure. Um, yeah. You know, well, and it, it, yeah. I, I mean, even connected <clears throat> to that, like we have the, like, we know that there's that museum part uh, of the, uh, federation or the uh, frontier day but i i think it's like connected to that space station because there are some images that are shown later on in the uh in the episode that have uh it's like starfleet museum or something like that and we know that uh there are, are several familiar ships there and um so yeah I, it, it, like we're, we're definitely uh uh putting that kind of theme uh, and injecting it into several aspects of uh this season yeah and the, this whole thing of, like, backing up, there was a sense that you guys got that the fi- Picard and Laris are leaving the chateau for good, basically? That's why they're doing it? Was, was it, like, spring I, th- clean? I think so. That's okay. kind of what it seems like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Like yeah, maybe, maybe Picard was, like, nine years of all these holes that those Borg mercenaries shot into the place. I can't fix them all. It's time to leave. Well, and, uh, and also, he is the... Uh, I mean, we've established in Generations, like, he's the last Picard, and so he... It, it's potentially a situation where like he doesn't have any heirs and is maybe thinking that uh uh he he he's not doesn't have the attachment to this that he that he did except maybe know. he does have an heir there we go because he has right. an English what accent makes you say right? that, so. yeah yeah hold <laughs> on people hold <laughs> because, on people. because your accent can come just from the the sperm donation it's just so. genetic, yeah. it's wasn't there an episode of, of Star Trek which shows that there's some memories in your DNA or something like I, I seem to remember like they oh yeah the one with uh, Trip Tucker in Enterprise oh. where they where they create the like young Trip and he slowly starts remembering things that the main Trip felt or whatever right yeah. I vaguely yeah. recall something like that <laughs> That seems like something something they would do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. So, and are they leaving because of Laris? 
Isn't that the yeah? I feel think like she I think has some post or some assignment. Yeah, because or... she she's like got an actual got a career and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. she is like at most middle aged for a Romulan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And, she's and she's maybe... doing some sort of diplomatic security. I thought. Okay. Yeah, it, it, like it seems like uh, enough of the threat against her has been like dismantled so that she's not just like a refugee that's hiding at his chateau, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what I got the impression of, uh, in that first season. Um, but yeah. So that we also hear that Jordy is in charge of the, the, the Starfleet museum. I wonder if that'll become relevant later. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Okay. And then we meet. So Laris also all time great partner award for just being like sigh you have to go again but meet me at this bar like if she ends up with nobody on her dance card at the end of this i'm gonna be pissed okay <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be like really mad and at the, i don't care what they have to do like maybe get another golem and pick two picards so that one can go with beverly and one can go with laris but if she doesn't get the guy i'm I'm lodging a complaint with Alex Kurtzman. It'll be sternly worded. There will be many Reddit threads about it. And, uh, well, yeah. especially because, I mean, if you were going to have Picard leave a woman for P- Beverly, it needs to be Anij from Insurrection because <laughs> she's the worst. Like, I cannot stand that character. I don't know why, but I just can't stand. I'm like, I was so mad that Picard got with her in that in that movie. And so, um, yeah, like, but don't don't have him be in a relationship with this person that we've really grown to like and is a yeah. great character. And yeah, that's just cruel. Also, can we have more Romulans with Irish accents? I think it works. I think it works. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving along, we we have we have Riker giving some. Uh, Putting a, a bartender in her place for calling the the Enterprise D some unflattering <laughs> things, which is good. Uh, we all love that trip. And then they have this quick discussion where we're... By the way, Myriad Codex. So so we skipped over a couple of things. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having an unstructured discussion here where people tell me <laughs> it's bad. So uh, we, should, we should structure it a little bit more, which is that, first of all, Picard. I loved the fact that they bring the old com badge to this mm. that the message yeah. from beverly reaches an old combat it just happens to be sitting on a box a few feet away from him that was great i literally mm. like that but isn't it didn't like season one or season two start in exactly the same way like somebody just rings him up when he's at the chateau and he's like what's that noise and it's oh yeah there's something i can't remember or maybe every season starts that way i don't know it's happened at least once before yeah. i mean that this is basically i think all three seasons of picard is picard chilling at the chateau thinking he's yeah. making wine and then somebody comes and blows his world up and he's to go, yeah. go crazy <laughs> yeah but so so the message beverly sends is coded with the myriad codex which picard uh didn't uh, was able to deduce and then the message she sends has these coordinates where there's nothing happening, but the word Hellbird, which Riker helpfully mentions, oh, that was something that happened when you weren't on the ship, which I think is a great way for them to utilize some the the, the kind of lore of TNG of, yeah, on TNG, Cap, the Cap wasn't involved in this particular thing, so uh, we, we he wouldn't know. So I wonder if Beverly knew that Picard would have to get Riker or someone else from the old crew to explain things, otherwise he wouldn't be able to solve the problem. I mean, it clearly seems that way. Yeah, I, I guess it, it's like it is kind of funny because it's like don't talk to Starfleet, but do get all of your Starfleet friends involved. 
uh, if that's like what she's going for. <laughs> now, did would we as viewers of TNG have known what Hellbird meant or no? I don't think so. So, yeah, I, I have, I've been looking for this to see if there's yeah. something from TNG, but I don't think it was explicitly in the episode. I think where my ears perked up was that Riker said that it was while Picard was Locutus. Yes. So there's a lot of references to Borg in this episode mm-hmm. as well. And they start at this one. And it just keeps going from there. Mm-hmm. Like the from the big racist captain. Yeah, we'll get to Shaw in just a moment. Um, but Did so, you guys catch the... Sorry, this is just going with the Riker theme. Did you guys catch that there's clearly some trouble in paradise with yeah, Riker and Deanna? Like, I think they would oh, appreciate time away from me or something. So like that with a lot of serious voice. They're uh, too much jazz. I thought it was a great, a great scene and great acting. Like, Frakes mm-hmm. says that he kind of... Mm-hmm. I don't know, fesses yeah. up or whatever that right. he, yeah. he's on the outs. And but he he just looks at Picard and just kind of you know, doesn't like makes eye contact. And Picard is awkward. Picard is kind of like, I don't want to have this conversation and then and yeah. then Riker is just like, Okay, what can I do to help you? And and you know, yeah. uh, I thought it was a great moment. <clears throat> I need to watch this episode again. Well Picard yeah, I, Riker is Will, Will Riker is always like the jolly guy, right? So him mm-hmm. for to be to show his vulnerability like that was important. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Adam. Well, and I I think that uh, in general, like uh, I've I've definitely had plenty of problems with like Picard the show. I think that uh, what it's doing in general for Picard the character is really interesting because I think in in the next generation this the, now we have to specify that I'm talking about the series, uh, which is a little <laughs> bit annoying. <laughs> in the next generation. Uh, I think what we remember a lot about Picard is sort of like the the heroic, di- uh, like diplomatic, philo- philosophical type types of things. But what the series Picard is getting into is actually a lot more like season one Picard, yeah. where he's like a distant, uh, uh, awkward uh, kind of guy and like doesn't really know how to process like his emotions or have friendships. And I, I think it's just it's really interesting seeing that get uh exposed. explored in different ways yeah. uh in this series and this also um reminds me of a conversation we had a couple weeks ago about all good things you know the end of mm-hmm. um that series or the end of that episode it's almost as though he realizes what he missed out on yeah by being that way and so he tries to make a step or he makes a move towards mm-hmm. it being different and you kind of do get a feeling in the movies i think it does feel a little different in the movies um, the way he interacts with the yeah with the crew, but anyway, yeah. I I also get the feeling that in this episode, I mean, in Picard in general has has kind of taught him the meaning of Christmas, right? Maybe maybe this is the overriding theme of Picard: <laughs> is it's the three ghosts who come and teach John Luke about how not to be Scrooge anymore, uh, <laughs> and and maybe maybe this is the one where he finds there's a reference when he picks up the flute about objects and how they. Their memories, they're not just objects, they're memories. And maybe this is where we, we he gets to learn the value of his friendships and the vulnerabilities that they've created. And he's able to actually, maybe, maybe this throwaway reference that Riker has to his family, something that we pick up at the end. With maybe, maybe Picard says something like, hey, you mentioned earlier about this and I didn't mm-hmm. engage you on it. Like, I want to talk about it. I want to know more about you. I don't just want you to be a work colleague. I'd like you then, or tell me about the good things. Tell me what's troubling you. So m- maybe they get deeper, you know? I, I would have... I, I could see him kind of giving the opposite advice 
uh, from what Kirk gave Picard, where he's like, never give up the chair, uh, where mm. he, he could sort of like uh, give to Riker, like, stop following us around uh, uh, in like throughout the galaxy and whatnot. Like maybe you need to connect with your family more or like don't run away from that situation, which, would which be is interesting. A, which is a great thing to consider. As, so first of all, there's a guy who spookily watches Picard and Riker leave the bar. Oh no. <laughs> yes. Wonder what that could be. Anyway, not going to talk about that for a moment. He drops the enterprise in the, in his drink, the, right? Yeah. It's the symbolism. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> so then, then Picard and Riker go through some beautiful VFX shots onto the Titan I want to pick up your, but I'm going to rush through that to pick up your thread, Adam, which is that when we get to the Titan, it's Riker's former command. Riker has lost the chair. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like this, these guys are has-beens. And that whole Titan experience, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, you start by saying, oh, surprise inspection. You still remember how to do that angry face, don't you? I love that, by the way, the Riker. Riker. <laughs> <laughs> the Riker and Picard road trip banter is legendary. Love it. But... But basically, we, we as the audience are brought along to think that these two wily Starfleet captain and admiral are going to pull this off and it's going to be real slick. And then we find out that they are both has-beens that nobody respects and like yeah. have lost their edge. Um, because Troy basically, or not Troy, Shaw is kind of aggro against both of them. Yeah. I'd we'll call just, that his button died. Yeah. Um, so I, just a few things really quick. I thought this, the dinner scene with Shaw is great. I mean, the dialogue was yeah. great. It was just like rapid fire, somewhat witty, um, and had a real dramatic tension. Um, and, and, and they, they ended up losing, right? Not as you yeah. say, they didn't get what they wanted. Um, and, but, I, but I also love the humor. You know, I love them on the bunk beds and Riker yes. saying, I don't, I don't remember having to get up to pee as much. And, and then <laughs> the best, I resonated with that. <laughs> the best comedic moment in the episode where, uh, you know, Picard says, seven, don't you have to alert engineering about, she's like, no, we don't do that anymore. And, and Riker yeah. is like, you know, nice save captain. He says, shut it. Will." that, you know, <laughs> love that yeah. moment. <clears throat> that was great. Absolutely, but it's again. All of this is just getting to the same thing, right? Well, these guys are like they're old now. Yeah. They're they're yeah. not. They don't quite have it. And and Shaw is being positioned as the baddie, right? I, have any of you watched the first episode of Scrubs? No. No. Okay. Uh, there, I think I may have, but it would have been a long time ago. Okay. So so there's a doctor in that. Fr- so okay. Let me let me let me take a step back. Scrubs is a show about a character named JD. He's uh, he's the first episode starts with his first rotation as a as a intern at this doc at this hospital teaching hospital, which is run by this guy Dr. Kelso. And Dr. Kelso has a subordinate named Dr. Stedman, who just uh, licks Kelso's butt and all the time and is and is just trying to impress Kelso. And there's a but Scrubs is also a surreal show where we see JD's like fantasies where his mind goes, uh, and one of them is. Uh, Stedman, he, he says something like, you immediately see, sometimes with some people, you immediately see who they are. With Stedman, it's like his fantasy is basically Stedman going, I'm a tool, I'm a tool, I'm a tool, 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 just the biggest tool, and I'm a tool. And that's Shaw in this episode as he comes on the screen, right? Like, Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, so I'm sorry, t- just two more things really quick. So I, I, <clears throat> I mean, obviously he's the antagonist and we're not supposed to like him. And I'm quite certain that he's going to turn out to be like, 
compromised or one of the bad guys on the other side of the conspiracy later on. But actually, the way he acts is totally reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're the captain of some ship, two randos who have no actual authority come on board and tell you to start, like, doing stuff that's really, like, unusual. Of course, you know, he did the right thing, actually. Yeah. So so there's a couple of points there. Number one, I think it seems like he has some sort of issue with the Borg. He refuses to let Seven of Nine call himself Seven. He insists on Annika Hansen. Yeah. He makes a reference, they get Picard, like an explicit they get Picard. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if this is like a Cisco situation where this dude was like an ensign at Wolf 359 or something mm-hmm. like that. I think the timeline kind of there works. And the other thing I, I wanted to ask was, it makes me skeptical, right? If this guy's being positioned as such a bad guy, but... Again, like you're saying, Bill, what he does is reasonable. Is he one of the only people who later on is not compromised and it turns mm. out that they need him to help them? Yeah. You know, another thing I thought was interesting, I, I turned out it turned out I was wrong in this, but I was I thought it was interesting that he had seven take the con and he just went to bed. After knowing that that she her loyalty really is with Picard mm-hmm. and so I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. He basically let her have the opportunity to have the ship go where Picard and Riker wanted the ship to go. Mm. Now, granted, I we see that that actually wasn't because I thought maybe he did that on purpose. Like maybe he just wanted to have uh, what a probable deniability. Is that the right word? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe he wanted to be able to say, oh, I absolutely was against this, but also wanted them to be able to carry out what they were trying to do and so he knew seven would be the one to do it and he was willing to throw seven under the bus for it or whatever um but he does seem pretty pissed when he realizes where they are so i don't know that and because we when we first see him realize where they are yeah, it he's seems by surprising himself. to him yeah. so it's not a it's not like an act that he would be putting on for someone because he's by himself mm-hmm. so i think i was wrong in that but i just found that interesting that he left it up to her and then question you know question about this so th- there's a scene where seven confronts picard and Riker right after the bunk scene with picard and Riker. Mm-hmm. they are called into the observation which so my question is this we hear seven express some doubts so Janeway and picard convinced her to come back into starfleet she expresses some doubts about how she she's having about, about her starfleet career now how she's having trouble reconciling her gut instincts with following orders and i wanted to ask your opinions on where y'all see this going and how you feel about Seven's role in Starfleet. I'll be honest with you, the whole time I was watching Voyager, <laughs> I was hoping Seven would be able to join Starfleet and be like the greatest captain in the world. Mm-hmm. I think the end of last season made me think that that's where they were going to go with this character, and I'm kind of unhappy to see her wanting to go out on her own. I think like a Seven yeah. of Nine-led TV show where she's captain would be fantastic. Um, so I No, I, yeah. I think she's going to mend her relationship with starfleet by the end of the season or at least her perspective on it and i just say it's out of universe explanation but it's really clear that terry metallis wants to make a captain seven show so (laughs) oh yeah for sure yeah um can you can you say more on that uh boy it's this is uh mostly stuff i've gleaned from uh trek movie um i feel like jerry ryan said something or like with the way they're talking about it being the next generation kind of i don't know there was something that jerry ryan posted that made me think that might be uh yeah i mean you have to read between the lines but i feel mm-hmm. pretty at least to me this it seems like terry really wants to to do that which would be way better than a than a section 31 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like I, as I much can, as I love Michelle Yeoh, I I think I th- kind of like going along with the with maybe because I guess we're getting into like me- like storytelling mechanics uh, for it. I think it uh, we've at least reached for this several times in Star Trek where the the reason like the captain is a compelling character is because they're somewhat reluctant to even take the role. Like that's what's that's how uh, uh, Strange New Worlds was kicked off. That's how the Cage was kicked off, um, and that's how Deep Space uh, Nine. Yeah, yeah, and and so I, I could see them doing that similar same thing where we, we need to have Seven go through this arc of like, mm. uh, obviously she's had this this past that was with the Rangers uh, and she's she's dealt with discrimination in Starfleet and and whatnot and now is sort of thinking like maybe I shouldn't even like what's the point of me is sort of like rising the ranks to 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 do all this stuff I I, I could see this as being the um, yeah that that path towards reconciliation to where she like actually feels like she needs to. Uh, uh, take the lead on something, and maybe uh, I mean maybe she gets to captain the uh, the Titan A. Uh, that that kind of makes leads me to think that maybe Shaw isn't going to end up being a complicated character, and is just going to like he's going to be thrown into the uh, at when they have a, a battle above a warp core, uh, he's going to be uh, thrown down into it and then uh, explode or whatever. Maybe he and John Luke would be on a risky catwalk on top of some rocks and then, you know. Yeah, yeah. They could end up there, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's let's at this point, let's take a quick break, something we've not done in many episodes of this podcast because we've been running short. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more strange new takes. Please stand by for decontamination cycle. Adrenaline rush from fear or the thought of seeing Beverly? Both. Terrific. Your hands are stiff. My knees are killing me. So long as we don't have to move or shoot, we should be fine. Decontamination cycle complete. Ready? As ever. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we've been talking about sheets and where they should ideally reach you, both in terms of your feet and your head. Uh, if you have opinions on this, write us to at Strange New Takes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're curious to hear about your bedroom habits. Wait, no, let me rephrase that with your bed <laughs> sheet habits. Good lord. <laughs> Please. Phrasing. Uh-oh. Okay. Back to Mr. Mr. Picard and his adventures. And so with 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 good old Jean-Luc now off on a shuttlecraft with Mr. Riker and Seven of Nine in trouble. I wonder if we'll re- revisit that at some point in this season. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if we'll revisit Seven of Nine and Captain Shaw. But anyway, Picard and Riker are off now to, to find out what's happening on Beverly's ship. Before we get there, though, we've had some interludes with, uh, with Rafi Musiker that we haven't yet talked about in detail so there's this most of our action is following admiral picard uh on his rendezvous on to bell and beverly ship at the end there but we also have this team this kind of stand almost standalone experience happening with raffi and the first we see of her is a hooded figure wandering through the streets of district six on metallis prime in um i mean this is like blade runner right homage like that's yeah kind of, yeah for sure know, it's a very Blade Runner-ish future where there are little noodle shops where you eat items with chopsticks and um, you have drug addicts and really grumpy people who are like, hey, watch it. I'm not your drug dealer. 
Yeah, and, and, and instead of Japanese written everywhere, it's just like random Star Trek languages and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. It, it is it is literally <laughs> just a cyberpunk uh, type of city. Right. And then Rafi is all is a, is a junkie, it seems, and has relapsed. Did y'all have a reaction there in the first few minutes of that? I, th- I think I started out just like rolling my eyes uh, that they were just going to do that with her character like again. Uh, but so I, 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 I felt better when it once it was clear. I, I mean, I, I also was like, well, maybe they're just going to go with the Starfleet intelligence angle. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but I, <laughs> I think a lot of it just felt like uh, maybe connecting to what Emily has talked about is like Star Trek being edgy for no reason. Uh, but uh uh yeah i will say i was glad that i was um i said to travis when we were watching this so do you think they're going to start showing naked women dancing everywhere to show that this is a seedy place and they actually didn't really do that mm-hmm. like they had people that were kind of dancing with each other whatever but they didn't have like women up on tables or mm-hmm. like they always do which makes me so furious whenever i watch sci-fi like this is how we know that this is a seedy place because it exploits women. I'm like, oh yeah, like like we do here now. Anyway, um, but the um, I did appreciate. I mean, I'm glad they didn't just have Rafi go back to where she was mm-hmm. first episode of Picard, right? Or was, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was first episode, but you know, yeah. But they also acknowledged that um, that being an addict doesn't go away. Yeah. Because they had a couple moments where you could see that, you know, like, like this is this is not easy work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I hope that there's some appreciation of of what I'm having to go through. And and I felt like, you know, was she looking at video of her granddaughter? Right. Because doesn't her yeah, son I, have a kid now or something? And, and Wasn't, think, uh, yeah. Like uh, along with because um, they don't really mention that it's it's uh, been nine years since season two uh, in this episode. But that's that's definitely one of the clues that people should be able to get, because that that does not look like a kid that's like one uh, or something like that. Well, I also couldn't remember how old the kid was when we last saw, you know, because I just yeah, I haven't I've only watched any of these episodes one time, which I should watch them more. But, you know, there's 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 a lot, I think, that needs to be explained further. Right. Like they dropped a lot of hooks here Mm -hmm. for us to, to get more of. I think the one, so most of this episode I liked, I think I have a few pieces of small nits, and this is where one of them is, I think, most evident, which is the exposition and catching up new viewers. I think the Star Trek still needs to understand that its fans can keep up with its storytelling without direct exposition. Like, for example, after the thing with Rafi being a junkie, she suddenly straightens up, pulls out a communicator, goes beep, beep. Okay, by that point, I've realized that it was just an act. And then she's like, Starfleet intelligence officer, commander, Rafi musicer, <clears throat> calling into her handler, would like, you know, like, it's just like, yo, I get it. Like, we can follow what is happening. You don't need to put, and this happened a few times in this episode mm-hmm. where they, they, they gave us a little too much Captain Obvious stuff where if they just let the audience catch up a few scenes from now, like for example, when Rafi is sitting in the La Serena, it becomes immediately clear that she's got a, she's an intelligence operative with a ha- covert handler. We don't we don't need that exposition to to bring mm-hmm. us along for the ride. So I, I'll just say that in general, though, to Bill's point from earlier, I think this episode is much better given the symbolism and that they don't like explicitly say Beverly is the first love. Laris is referencing, you know, like it, there's, right. you know, so so they're getting there, but again, just tighten it up just a little bit, in my opinion. 
That, that would be discovery style if they just told you, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, really, they just, yes. there's no symbolism. It's just one layer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'm sorry, are, are we going to talk about the scene on La Serena with her handler? That is exactly what I was about to her, get to. Her mystery handler. Who could it be, you guys? I wonder. <laughs> could it be someone we know, maybe? So okay. I, I can't think of anyone who has ever talked about warriors, though. Uh, that doesn't really <laughs> ring a bell for me. So I, I, this is probably a brand new character. <laughs> so you, you guys think it's Worf, right? Like, let's just bring this out in the open. Worf, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so Rafi is now... Unless it's Elnor. <laughs> that, that's how the subtle expectations, but in the worst possible way. Can I? Can I just? By the way, can I just touch on one thing real quick? It's I think we've all forgotten over the years. This show started with Narek and Nerissa and Elnor. Okay, like I really thought they were going to be much bigger parts of this series than they have ended up becoming. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm fully okay with uh, uh, Picard. But maybe even. Uh, you can buy the complete series box set of Picard and it's only going to have season three in it. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, I think we can kind of just not have the other ones and this one can just be it. <laughs> yeah. is, this, is this just like a nod to the fact that we don't think Patrick Stewart should be writing our Star Trek? <laughs> like, I mean, essentially, because I was, I don't know, I, I didn't read anything because I didn't want anything spoiled for me. I kind of wanted to come into this a little, you know, fresh. But um, I was seeing little gleans of, of article titles and such like he had to be talked into doing a next generation storyline and anyway so it's it's i think i think getting back to rafi really quick with the the handler who doesn't want Mm -hmm. to meet her and he's pushing rafi to like solve the thing on her own doesn't that seem a little bit odd to you guys like if if there's something really important that's being relieved wouldn't that's being revealed wouldn't the handler want to get their best people on it so they'd like get rafi in touch with like seven intelligence boffins sitting in some office like processing what the red lady could be rather than having like if this deadly weapon is out there right Mm -hmm. and rather than just relying on rafi figuring it out fast enough right which she doesn't Maybe Worf's behind it, and he's the terrorist. Maybe, 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 maybe Worf is the big bad here. Um, they could be colluding with Doctor Crusher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, well, but 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 so so Rafi uses basically the the um, Starfleet version of Kit, the computer, to do some Google searches on what the Red Lady could be, and then finds that it's a statue of Commander Garrett that is conveniently being revealed on District Seven of Metallus Prime. Now, do you, do you all remember who Rachel Garrett is? Yes, the captain of the Enterprise C. From yesterday's Enterprise, who yep. has to go back in time to be destroyed at Narendra 3 to ensure that there is peace between the Klingons and Starfleet, which is, I think, calls back to your undiscovered county point, Adam. Oh, yeah, it, because it, this could literally just have the exact same plot because it's we need to sabotage the, the, the Federation because... Uh, some Klingon is wanting to uh, uh, kill the president or or whatever uh, and cause war again. Which like that was that was a great movie. I, I mean, there are definitely parts that are just like, eh. <laughs> but so uh, now, uh, yeah. With with yesterday's Enterprise, can can one of you catch us up with with the plot of that episode really quick beyond what I just shared? Oh, the Enterprise C comes through an anomaly, and it 
resets the or it changes the time stream that the Enterprise is in. So now they're in a timeline where the Klingons are at war with the Federation and they're not doing well. Um, and they realize that what happened was the Enterprise C aided the Klingons in this battle with the Romulans. And that was what one of the steps towards peace between the Federation and the Klingons. And so they have to send the Enterprise C back through the anomaly so that they can carry out that mission or that whatever important and, moment in, in history. Don't they, don't they have sweet like gold belts and like gold bandoliers? Oh yeah. It's a, yes. it's a more militaristic Federation. Right. And, and also uh, it ties in well with uh, uh, a good Star Trek book, uh, uh, Q squared. Cause I, I think I like that's, Q squared. <laughs> that's the, the, is that, that's the type track a, I right, think yeah, is I think the, so. uh, it, it's so one of them. It's it's a book. It's I. It's probably like written in like 1996 or something like that. Uh, uh, maybe even earlier. I guess 96 is probably when First Contact came out. Um, yeah. uh, but it's uh, in in that book they have uh, multiple different uh, uh, tracks of uh, uh, time time streams or wh- mm-hmm. whatever. And so three different ones at least. Yeah, track track A, track B, and track C, and it's uh, they sort of all get mixed up and. Q gets involved, and so does Trelane. It's a great book. Interesting. I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel Garrett dies at the end of yesterday's right. Enterprise the episode mm-hmm. in a Klingon attack, and so Richard Castillo has to take command of the Enterprise C along with alternate universe Tasha Yar, mm-hmm. who goes back, and they are both. Uh, I believe the Enterprise C then gets ca- well, the crew of it gets captured by Romulans, which ends with Tasha Yar having a half Romulan child named Sela. Yes. Anybody remember? This is all tracking yes. so far. Yes. One quick side diversion uh, before we get to to where where I'm going with this. I fucking hate the enter- uniforms of this show and, and yesterday's Enterprise. The old Wrath of Khan uniforms were perfect with that little puffy turtleneck, and in, and in yesterday's Enterprise and in TNG, for some reason, every time they show them, they don't show them wearing the undershirt, and it just looks wrong. It's just the, like the 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 nice jacket just ends, and there's a neck there, and it's just. <laughs> Well, it's like how there's no collar on the first season, first two seasons of TNG. It's or it's horrible. Yeah, they're showing the us collar. the evolution. It's just wrong, people. You can't just, just have a neck no. just coming straight out of it. No. It's obscene. No. It's, no, it looks like the, no. the jacket is also has this like sharp felt. It would just be uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, there. Thank you. Thank you. I knew this audience would like appreciate that. I have felt this honestly for 30 years. I have thought about this. <laughs> it is stuck in my craw. If they ever put me in charge of remastering TNG, I will change that in post. Uh, okay. Anyway, so Sela is a Romulan, has some run-ins with uh, the Next Generation crew, and then uh, if you do the the math on the age there, or if Sela had a child, that child would be somewhere like I think it's like sixty years old or something like that, and that's about the age of the person who's been cast as the big bad in this season. That like Amanda Plummer. And why and and you got there just because it's the Rachel Garrett she, connection or what's the yeah basically basically like if we if we track back to when all this stuff happened, um, Amanda Plummer's is it's sixty five years in universe. Is uh, Amanda Plummer related to uh, Christopher Plummer? That His is daughter. her daughter. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So they so they <clears throat> cast um, what general was it General Chang's daughter interesting okay yeah so yeah so this is this is where um 
So it's not, actually, it's not Cello's daughter. Cello would be 55 to 60 years old. Amanda Plummer, 65 years old in this. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, is this Cello, who's the evil person, come to uh, cause some problems? Or, or is this another one of the Enterprise C crew who's ch or a child from the Enterprise C crew because we know there was at least one family on the Enterprise C. Mm -hmm. Could this be a child who was abducted by the Romulans and brought up in one of those prison camps who's here to take a revenge on Picard? I, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I, I don't know why they would recast Denise Crosby. She wasn't invited to the premiere. She was hurt about that. I just saw a tweet. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, so maybe they, they didn't invite her because they recast her. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, that, that, but why that would they do that? Like, yeah, that, yeah, that part of it feels a little. I mean, I, I, I guess they. Well, but that that was. Although I guess I don't know what Denise Crosby does now, but uh, uh, they they recast the um, I forget his name, but the the guy in uh, uh, Measure of a Man oh, uh, yeah. uh, to be a guy who has like supremely curly hair, even though the other guy didn't. Bruce, what's his yeah. name? Maddox. Um, Bruce yeah. Maddox. Um, Bruce Maddox. Yeah. And then. Uh, so like i i guess they've done that kind of thing before it, she feels like too high profile to and, yes. and like the only reason that sila ex exists as a character is like let's bring because denise crosby back right. on uh yeah. so it just it it feels weird to yeah it make that callback specifically it feels super mean it, yeah, it would yeah. be kind of mean wouldn't it yeah, so it that's why i think mean. it's pr it is probably a a different human who was captured as part of the Enterprise C. So, which would explain why this also, the ship that we see at the end of this episode is kind of, you know, Narada, Romulan-ish looking yeah. thing. And, and yeah. Anyway, just wanted to throw that in there while we're talking about Rachel Garrett uh, in, in this, because I think there might be a, a chain that we see for later. Yeah, go ahead, I, I, I will say that uh, you mentioned the ship. Uh, I, I saw... What was curious to me is it actually has kind of a Ferengi look to it. Uh, it's a similar coloration to their ships, and the there's like a kind of a blade that's like at the, or like a pincer kind of thing that's at the top, right above the deflector ship that is like the same shape as like the Ferengi ships, which is like weird to think of like Ferengi actually being involved as big bads or whatever. So I I think it it's maybe more likely that it's Mass a outpost uh, anyone? <laughs> yeah, 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 like this is actually the dangerous Ferengi, but right. um that, that that was the only other uh thing that I was thinking about. I suppose the the deflector shield also looks or deflector array also looks a little bit like the Enterprise D. So I I could see this being someone who's uh has bad memories about what the Enterprise made them do uh and is coming back to exact revenge. Yeah. I let's track this next week when we find out more specifics <laughs> about that ship, huh? Um but yeah, so okay, one last point before we get off Raffi. So Raffi heads over to District 7 to to stop this terrorist attack where we see this beautiful Starfleet building for like 5 seconds before we have, you know, Valve's portal game created in the Star Trek <laughs> universe basically, right? Like that that's what yeah. I took from that. It basically falls into some sort of transporter and then falls out of the ceiling. Mhm. Well, it's yeah. it's the quantum tunneling tech, right? I think that yeah, when Rafi yeah. is talking to the Orion from the Daystrom Institute. Yeah. From the Daystrom station, which for some reason Oh. I, yeah. Area 51. Yeah. I, I believe there was uh, a, a incursion of um, 
extra extraterrestrials into the Roswell system in the New Mexico cluster, which, <laughs> which, and the, the, whatever was found from that is hidden at the Daystrom station. So, uh, yeah, add that, add that to your universal memory alpha, right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so 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 there's a terrorist attack, and that's the last we see of Rafi. She wasn't able to, to stop it. I really hope this doesn't go into basically Rafi blaming herself for this and then, you know, ha- going down the junkie path. I really don't need that, to our point, mm-hmm. or from your point earlier. Like, we don't mm-hmm. need to revisit that again. I'm glad that they're kind of showing her struggle, because I think it's important for some folks, you know, to, to know that substance abuse doesn't just get solved. You have to, like, mm-hmm. make effort. I also don't want to see a relapse. Right. So, all right. I think that's it with Rafi. I don't think there's much more to talk about with her. I am um, really disappointed that we don't have a, you know, the old holograms from the La Serena helping Rafi. Like, I thought it was know, a missed I thought, opportunity. I yeah. if they were going to come. Yeah, that, that would have been, because, yeah, it, I mean, I guess, like, character-wise, it made sense to have him stay in the in the, the 21st century. But, yeah, we could have kept the actor around uh uh, yeah, because we yeah. have to ship around. Yeah, the real, uh, we could have like I, a holographic Rios helping Rafi. That would be so yeah. cool. Uh, what one thing that would have, uh, or, or one thing I wanted to highlight is like we we did see two ships uh, in. Well, I mean, we saw a few other ships mentioned also, but two ships we haven't seen before uh, when she is uh, uh, discovering like what the Red Lady is. We see the Voyager B uh, that's on the side there, uh, which kind of looks like Voyager, but just like with some more black panels and whatnot. We also see that the Enterprise F uh, is slated for early decommission, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, so it, I, I think kind of my and assumption when we... callbacks again. Yeah, but it, but it's like I, I was assuming when I first was seeing, seeing that the Enterprise F would be in this show, that it was going to be like the hot new Enterprise or whatever. But it's it's actually we're seeing it at the end of its uh, life cycle. It's already had whatever adventures it's going to have. And uh, maybe we'll get a, well, an Enterprise G. I, Why stop I mean, there? I wonder Enterprise if it's, X. Plenty of letters left in the alphabet. If it's <laughs> slated for early decommissioning, maybe they... You know, we'll steal it from the Starfleet Museum later on, and you know, take it Heck for yes. some. Event. I'm not even joking. I, th- I mean, that's I'm yeah, not they, saying they, that's going to happen. They but I wouldn't that. be shocked. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, search for Spock, right? Like, I mean, here we yep. go with another yeah. movie that we're referencing. Yeah, uh, just only get, get the I'm good parts of that it. movie, and we're good. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay. We, 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 let's return to Picard and Riker on the shuttlecraft headed over to Beverly's ship where we basically have Sherlock Holmes and Watson going through and investigating the scene of the crime, uh, which I liked. It was it kind of added to the tension a bit. And I liked, again, that they brought that whole ash pattern back. <clears throat> there was a reference to this ash pattern, though, um, again, in, in some of the discussions on Reddit where they were able to say that this... W- was that going to be something where where the there's a specific type of alien that leaves some type of ash? There's some sig- deeper significance than just that it was like point blank range or whatever. Did anyone I pick would up on guess so. I think they probably did that for a reason. Um, that will have some small payoff later. That would be my guess. It could it could also be something some property of the weapon. Right. Which is why Beverly using action. pump action phaser rifle. Uh, now, we pretty quickly find out who the guy that Beverly was ignoring on the ship was. Which, by the way, Beverly doesn't seem to have learned much about parenting in the preceding, like, 40 years. 
because you know last week we watched an episode where she's like shut up wesley like on the bridge <laughs> and now you know her son is like ah oh, we're dying help and like she's like lock the door close it and you know just doesn't seem to care about what's happening to this dude um but which yeah so it's all all just a little little odd but we find out that this dude is is her son uh in this scene after after Riker gives him a nice like whack in the face with his elbow which was also pretty great to see will Riker <laughs> hasn't lost a lost a touch there but Even though uh, his knees are hurting his elbows are fine that was yeah. great I did like that <laughs> so as long as we don't have to move or shoot we're fine <laughs> well I mean you got to acknowledge the fact that these are not young men anymore so. yeah no 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 can't pull the uh, Will Shatner just suck your gut and move. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but okay, so so how did all of you feel about this whole second son reveal? I think Wesley's got to be pretty pissed, but like, oh, is it a replacement son because he went yeah. off to go be with the Traveler? And so, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see how they handle it. I mean, it kind of it's kind of a cheap trick, but it's a cheap trick that Star Trek is played before it has a star right. trek pedigree um so i think it depends on what what they do with it from here i guess kirk had a son show up in uh yeah the yeah we'll, movie. we'll kill yeah. this one at the end and picard will become racist against klingons is there a, a a alternate timeline where jack crusher didn't die in uh in q2 right or q squared mm-hmm. q squared i mean the movie the book that we were talking about mm-hmm. So is there is there a universe in which Beverly and Jack had another son who this could be? I like, think that universe uh uh a uh, spoiler for for this book but uh uh Wesley died early. Okay. So so th- this is my question. I think one theory is that this is actually Beverly and Jack's second son. Um which from a different universe, and this could be some sort of yesterday's Enterprise implication, or something. This could be somewhere. Well, and that's the back. universe that that Jack Crusher is alive in in yeah. um, Q squared. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so there's that possibility. There's also the one that we hinted at before, which is that this is Picard's kid. Maybe, maybe Crusher and Picard slept with each other in the naked now in season one of TNG, and then when Beverly leaves the show for a year, she's leaving to have this child. Right? Because apparently we like live in Ireland and you know, you have to send the daughter off to a convent to go have the baby and then, yeah, right? and, and, and then, and then pretend the, the baby doesn't exist for yeah. the rest of the time. Wow. But, so, so if you'll scroll down on the notes, you will see screenshots from a couple of episodes of TNG, which both basically go to Crusher telling Jean-Luc, there are some things I want to tell you. I might not have another chance to say it in case we don't get out of this. And then one of them, she's, she says, John Luke, you and I, dot, 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 dot. So, is this basically Crusher had a child with Picard and gave him up for adoption, maybe, and then tracked him down later? Or, like, I mean, this would basically give Picard his legacy, right? I think well, Bill made the point earlier. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, the thing is, I could see Beverly not wanting to burden Picard with the knowledge of having a child because clearly TNG season one, Picard hates children more than anything <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and, and the thing is like, they, they clearly, I mean, I, so I definitely, I could see Jack Crusher, or like this being a, a Jack Crusher kid, but 
he's blonde and whenever we've shown like younger versions of Picard except in Nemesis uh Picard used to have like uh blonde hair like as a kid like the kid that uh that he he reverts to in Rascals uh I could see mm-hmm. that kid growing up and becoming this uh uh her son Isn't it the same kid who played Renee in Family Oh you mean the actor was, play the actor who played his I th- nephew I thought you meant played this Picard. Actor played Renee. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah. and no. this this kid's name is Jack, by the way. It's Jack Crusher, the character. Um, mm-hmm. So, so we'll find out more in this episode. He basically says, "I'm I'm her child," and then goes to the controls and says, "They found us," and that's about it. Um, yeah. So, and then the ship that Adam thinks is a Ferengi vessel comes out of the the mist as such. Mm. which is another callback to like nemesis by the way i hope yeah, you, totally. you're seeing all of the like this, yeah this is like the you know i don't know if you guys know but the james bond movie die another day basically has a reference to all the other james bond movies preceding it and this is basically what this episode is to the star trek universe um yeah i don't I, recognize nemesis <laughs> <laughs> data's still alive we, we give you the title of movie, but we don't recognize you as a Star Trek movie. Um, yeah, right. You're right. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have never watched a rewatched Nemesis since like 2001 or whenever it came out. I think it's 2004, actually, maybe. I can't remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's been a bit. It's been a hot minute since I put that, put that disc into the old Blu-ray player. So that's it, huh? I mean... And then the freaking credits play, and it's this overproduced sequence where I'm like, holy crap, you're going to make me sit through the credits and I have to watch every <laughs> sequence of this, which is it's really cool. It's got the L cars, it's got the first contact music, mm. which then morphs into some other music, uh, which, did you all recognize the significance of that? The other music? Oh, I didn't. Someone Anybody? turned the television off Bueller. before I was done watching. Bueller. Oh, no. Bueller. It is a poorly... According to someone on our Star Trek, it is a poorly transcribed version of Pop Goes the Weasel. <laughs> Data. Lore. Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? And I mean, Car- yeah, so that's, that's, that's the, the first, first episode. episode of Next Generation, if that's what yeah. you're trying to get us to say. Yeah. And Which, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't able to, to uh, whistle, the uh, whistle pop it. Goes yeah. the weasel. Exactly. So it's it's a poorly made version of Pop Goes the Weasel, which is exactly what Data was doing. So, yeah, full circle, folks. Full circle is all I'm saying. Um, even with the end credits, it gave us Just a Just like track. Lore is a poorly made version of Data? No, no, no. no. He was <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Are, are you meaning that the the music that was written on the on the Elcar's yeah. screen was Pop Goes the Weasel? I don't. I so I gotta actually see. I thought I thought this this comment does, was referencing the actual music that was playing, but maybe I'm it was. Have to go listen to it. No, it's it's the it's the music the on the screen. Notation on the screen. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, as as my as I'm recalling it, that that does seem like it would match up. Because um, I was like, this doesn't seem like. Uh, the I I initially assumed like oh is this the Star Trek theme that we're looking at or like it's not going the same direction and whatnot but yeah one other quick point as we're talking about this I mean the first part of this episode the very very first visual sequence was reminiscent of the TNG opening right like you see like a little bit of text and then you go into like these visuals of the planets I was just waiting for Sean Luke to be like space 
The final, the final front. Yeah, ah, so iconic. <laughs> yeah. Hope we get it by the end here. Yeah, yeah, we should we should do it as like the last uh uh the last scene or whatever. And then yeah. they sign their names. Yeah. Across the screen. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. Any final comments about this episode uh before we we move on? Any other uh, piece of trivia, anything else that you all want to talk about? The- like the, the, I, I, I think we we mentioned it a little bit already. I, there was an explicit call out to to Janeway. I kind of hope that we that we that she's one of the characters that's going to show up because uh, they've mentioned that there are characters that haven't been announced that are going to appear. I mean, obviously we should we should go for it at TNG characters or whatnot. But I, I think that that might be a, a good way to um, help kick off a a, a Star Trek Seven or whatever is uh, have Admiral Janeway show up for some reason or another. I mean, it would be the dumbest thing on the entire planet if they have a seven show and they don't have Admiral Janeway. So, yeah, yes, 100%. I mean, I want to just see the whole Voyager cast again. It'd be so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Dude, what if they bring Harry Kim back and he's still an ensign? <laughs> if they, in fact, if they do anything other than that, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> he's going to be uh, just cleaning the decks of the Voyager B. <laughs> Doing the night shift. Uh, I'm playing his clarinet. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I think we've had a pretty extensive discussion about this episode. Suffice it to say, I think we're all excited for more. Let's jump into Strange New Ratings and stick our proverbial necks out and give the next generation episode, not the show, the, a, a rating. Who wants to go first? I, I'll, I'll just go. This this one's a solid 10 out of 10 for me. Like, I, I've, I watched it twice in the same day. Uh, I think Bill did, too. I kind of want to watch it again, like and like I, I'm worried that they're and and I feel like I sh- it uh, I'm setting myself up to be too excited about the rest of the season, so I need to think about how they're going to ruin it somehow. Uh-huh. But like right now, I I'm just I'm feeling so good, and I I just this this is a great feeling. If they ruin the rest of it, I'll at least have had this week where I thought that maybe everything was going to turn out to be great. We'll always have Shall Talk Four. <laughs> Anybody else? I, uh, my kind of initial reaction was to give it a 9 out of 10, um, but I can't really justify the minus one point. You know, mm. there's, I have no complaints about it. I think it was excellent. So I don't know. I'll give it a 10 to, um, yeah, I just loved it. And as I mentioned at the top, I love seeing Riker. And he, you know, mm-hmm. he seems more like, I don't know, jovial than as he's aged and gotten a nice beer belly. Um, so I just love, yeah, it was a treat. And I'm Adam, I'm pretty optimistic about, um, I mean, Terry Metellus is a real fan and he um, did the first half of season two of Picard, which was definitely the best yeah. of the series so far. Mm. Um, Why didn't he do the second half? Because he had to do season three. Because they uh, shot them back to back, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the, Picard does have this. It's, it seems to start off really strong and then kind of unravel halfway through the season. Hopefully, that doesn't happen this time. Yeah. See, I feel like I needed to watch this episode another time. Like I, re- I just didn't have an opportunity to do that. Um, so. I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5 because I need to watch it again. But it's like, because all the things you all were saying, I'm like, I don't think I caught all of that stuff. And 
I'm also, you know, not working on all thrusters. We've been sick all week. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, but like, I totally didn't even cross my mind that Ralphie's handler was Worf. Like, so there were certain things I I just totally, yeah. So I just totally missed some of those things and I need to go back and rewatch it. Um, but that's probably not the show's fault, but I'm still, I'll give it a 4.5 and then maybe (laughs) retroactively I could change it. But so I, I, um, but I'm with you, Emily. I'm actually genuinely giving this a 9 out of 10. To your point, Bill, I, I can find a few faults. And they're very small nits. But I think this this is the thing, right? Like, with, between a pale... What is the difference between a... Uh, in the pale moonlight, which we gave, which I gave a, a 10 out of 10 to, and what's the difference between that and, like, a... Uh, 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 TNG 2X9. What is TNG's second episode of TNG? Or ninth episode of the second season of TNG? Let's see, which episode was that? The Measure of a Man. What is the difference mm. between In the Pale Moonlight and The Measure of a Man? It's just those little nits, right? It's those little things that just catch in your craw. And In the Pale Moonlight doesn't have any of those. Measure of a Man has like a couple small ones. But it's a phenomenal episode still. And yeah. that's where I'm at with this one. Great, great um, use of the cinematic feel of the characters and their meta commentary of the flashbacks, um, of the symbolism. The exposition took me out of it just a little bit. And the writing was just that one level not quite there for me. So, in fact, if I could, I would give this even maybe a nine and a half out of ten. But, like, I think, I think. We, we can we have this tiny room for improvement in my opinion but i'm mega excited about this season um i know how you all feel about the like we might get burned thing but um i, I don't think that's gonna happen i think we're gonna get it the reviews are pretty awesome from the people who have seen it already so yeah, i i'm i'm predicting 10 out of 10 season three picard right now in terms of a full season review um the only thing that might suggest that otherwise is when I heard about the Red Lady first, I went to the Red Angel from Discovery and I was like, no, no, <laughs> no, anything but that. That's <laughs> funny. So, but I don't think we're going there, people. I don't think we're going there. All right. Well, um, this has been a bit of a journey, a little bit of a longer journey than... Um, than the last few episodes of how you could even say these are the journeys that we are okay so i'm gonna stop now <laughs> um well thank you bill thank you adam thank you emily i i saw the reviews rolling in in our slack channel and i was like ah i can't wait to watch it and talk about it with these people and now that we have i feel very satisfied with the way we spent the last hour and a half so thank you for making that happen thanks, yeah, thanks thank you, of course yeah thank you rudy i hope you are also enjoying watching this episode as much as we are uh, thank you, dear listener, for making time for us in your week with your podcast rotation. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. Next time, we've got to get you to record Pop Goes the Weasel. And <laughs> special thanks this week to whoever else knew about Beverly's secret and kept it. Because, like, damn, people, what a revelation. Uh, somebody had to be struggling for about 30 years. Maybe Troy has known all along. She, like, sensed it and, like... I'm sensing some secrets that you're keeping from us, Beverly. <laughs> and, you know, they, in one of their, like, aerobic workouts, Beverly was like, I have another son! It's John Luke's! <laughs> and, and it's... Maybe this is what's driving Troy and Riker apart. Troy is like, he's got to tell her. He's got... You know, it's got to happen. Um, maybe that's what this whole season's going to be about. Maybe that's what this whole season's going to be about. All right. So, thanks, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.